Welcome to the Snapshot Testimony Podcast. I'm your host, Ali Domersant. I'm a former journalist and current Christian radio host in Chicago. I'm passionate about communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ through powerful storytelling. In this podcast, I ask my guests to share a pivotal moment that helped shape their faith in Christ in some way. In this week's episode, I want to introduce you to Christopher Beth. His snapshot testimony began when he reluctantly agreed to be a parent chaperone on an overseas mission trip with his daughter. He did not have a heart for missions and says he wasn't even very strong in his faith. But somewhere in the middle of the Amazon and smack dab in the center of his discomfort, he received a new assignment from the Lord that changed the trajectory of his life. Before we get to this week's episode, just a quick reminder that if you enjoy the stories you're hearing, I'd love it if you took a moment to leave a review on your favorite platform. I'm so grateful for your support. Now, here's this week's snapshot testimony from Christopher Beth. So tell me about this uh, trip that you took with your daughter. Yeah, so uh, about 11 years ago, she came home from school and said she wanted to go on this mission trip to the Brazilian Amazon. And she had been on trips before. So at first, my wife and I, we really didn't think anything of it. Okay. But then um, as we started to learn more about this, we realized just how far Brazil is away <laughs> and that she would be on a river boat and it, she would be uh, super remote. So mm -hmm. we quickly decided that if someone or if she was going to go on this trip, someone would have to accompany her. Okay. And that became my job. So we boarded a plane in Dallas, flew into Manaus, Brazil. And shortly after landing, we were ushered over to the Amazon River and right there in Manaus, Brazil. And we boarded a river boat, an open air river boat at about like 11 p.m. And we started a trek with about 14 of us that uh, was an 18-hour open-air boat ride into the Amazon Basin. 18 hours? Yeah, and that's that's close. And most of the trips we make into the Amazon now will go 50, 55 hours one way, um, you know, because we're, we're wow. wanting to reach people that haven't been reached before. So this first trip, though, I, I'm I'm like you, Allie. I thought, like, oh my okay. goodness. I've been on long haul flights, but <laughs> I can't even imagine. Okay, so 18 hours on an open air boat. Yeah, so um, imagine this part, Allie. You're on an open air boat. Uh, you're, you're thinking, oh, we're going to have cabins, right? We're on a boat. No, you sleep in hammocks in the open air as in, uh, I mean, we're sleeping in a hundred degree, hundred percent humidity, uh, Amazon weather, uh, going through a river boat through torrential, um, storms because we're in the middle of a rainforest. <laughs> if I'm being honest, there was one point where my daughter and I, uh, we, we, uh, slept next to each other in hammocks. And she said, Dad, I think we made a mistake. <laughs> well, I was going to ask, is there any point where you were like, what did I get myself into? Almost the whole trip, if, okay. if I'm being honest, because it was so uncomfortable. I, I had never been on a trip like that. Number mm -hmm. one, I had been saved about four or five years prior to that. 
So and I before wasn't we even... get before we get to that, I want to. Yeah. Was this a missions trip? Was with this with the church or a school school group? What was the purpose of it? Your school made a annual international mission trip, and she wanted to go on this one to the Brazilian Amazon. So it was a me, a few other parents, and um, about six or eight uh, high school age kids. We had a doctor and a dentist on the boat as well, so we could see patients. Uh, there were people on the team that had been on mission trips before, and they were talking about being the hands and feet of Jesus. And I was so uncomfortable because I'd never been around this environment before. And my daughter was more comfortable with it. Um, but uh, uh, when we got there, the trip leader assigned me to do uh, what they call these faith visits. And we went door to door in the village telling people about what we were going to be doing in their village that day. And then we mm. prayed over them. And so for the first three days of this trip, that's all I did. And uh, we went into people's homes, but I was so uncomfortable, Allie, that um, I prayed, but I prayed nobody would talk to me mm. because it was so far out of my comfort level that I just didn't know what to do. So uh, there was many points of that trip where I seriously questioned um, the judgment. But in the beginning, I only went to bring my daughter home. That was my yeah. sole job. Right. I didn't go because I had really a love or compassion for the Brazilian people. Mm -hmm. I just went to bring my kid home. Right. Where, what was your faith like at, at that time? Obviously, you were in church. What, was your faith strong? Um, I, I would say, um, uh, compared to the rest of my life, yes. Uh, I got saved at the age of 40. This trip happened when I was about 45. So uh, at that point, I had not even been discipled yet. I had not even understood the importance of discipleship. I was attending church and I was trying to read and immerse myself in as much of God's word as I could at that point. But uh, I would say it was still a stretch for me to understand the magnitude of what I was witnessing. Yeah. So there comes a point in the trip where somebody hands you a cup of water. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about that part, part of the yeah. trip. Yeah. So um, on the third day, we went across to a home and we were invited into uh, their home with a very nice Brazilian couple and they lived right on the water. And uh, this, this Brazilian woman looks at me and I'm this giant sweaty American. And she said, are you thirsty? And I'm like, yes, I'm thirsty. And honestly, at this point, I don't know anything about a world water crisis. I don't know that people have to drink out of um, a, a river. And I, I've lived a privileged life where if I was thirsty, I just went and got a bottle of water. Yeah. Uh, or I went to my refrigerator and filled up the um, my cup from mm -hmm. the filter. And so I half expect this woman that's in the Amazon that asked me if I was thirsty to go into her refrigerator <laughs> that didn't exist right. and get me a bottle of water that didn't exist. So um, uh, as I'm watching this woman, after I said I was thirsty, she goes into her kitchen and she gathers two cups and they were mismatched and they were cracked. And I watch her walk outside and I'm thinking, what is she doing? 
there's no refrigerator or water dispenser outside. <laughs> and she walks into this little dock area and she bends down and dips two cups of water from the river. And again, I'm standing in the doorway thinking, what is she doing? I'm not going to drink that. And sure enough, she comes in and hands one cup to me and one cup to my interpreter, Nelson. <laughs> so wow. there's these points in life where you have to make a really quick decision, right? And on one hand, drink this dirty water, spend the rest of the trip in the bathroom. Or the other hand, I just told this lady how thirsty I was. And potentially, um, she's going to be offended if I don't drink the water. Hmm. So I'm sitting here holding this glass of water, pondering, what do I do with this? And I look over at my interpreter, Nelson, and uh, he's got his hand kind of under his elbow so she can't see. And he's waving his finger saying no. And he's saying, don't drink that. So I waited until she turned around and I poured that water back, back out. Yeah. So at this point, I realize a couple of things. I realize number one, this is the, all the water they have access to. They gave me what they had. And I realized that there are people that actually drink from a river. Mm -hmm. Now at the same time, I realize I couldn't drink it. And what am I going to do with this glass of water? So prior to this day, I will tell you, um, I had never been in the business of hearing God's voice. It just wasn't my thing. And in fact, if I'm being completely transparent, I will tell you when I heard people say, well, God spoke to me, I'd be like, really? Come on. Yeah. And, uh, but as I'm holding this glass of water, Allie, it was super clear. I heard two words and I heard help them, hmm. but it came with no other instruction. It was help them. And, um, so I, I don't know what help them means. And at that point I was trying to figure out who said it. I literally remember turning around, looking, seeing who else was there that said that. Wow. So, uh, we, we leave there that day and I've got this help them on my heart. I don't know what help them is. Uh, you know, am I supposed to give them money? Am I supposed to hug them? What, what does that mean? And so get back to the United States with this burden of help them and that experience of seeing people without hope that were drinking directly from this river and seeing people that were far from God and started trying to understand what does help them mean. Okay. So you get back to the U S you accomplished the mission of getting your daughter safely back yeah. home, which was what you had set out to do, but there was a new mission that was taking shape in your heart. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, you know, I don't at, at that point, I didn't know anything about ministry, about mm -hmm. mission work. Um, I was a business guy. I was a business consultant for 35 years and um, and I was barely involved with the church at that point. Remember, I'm trying to work through my own faith journey as well. So I start trying to figure out what has helped them mean. And I thought, surely it has to have something to do with clean water. And uh, I start researching the world water crisis and find out that 785 million people lack access to the thing that I've taken for granted most of my life. And that yeah. is clean, safe drinking water. 
And I also, in the research, find out that uh, it's the number one cause in mortality in children under the age of five. Hmm. And every day, 700 kids perish from something that's solvable. And uh, so at this point, I realized, oh, my gosh, this has to have something to do with water. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just supposed to drill a well, go down there, help these people, maybe go down once a year and just make myself feel good. I had no idea what this was. Mm-hmm. So start trying to make myself an expert in uh, all things water. I looked at wells and a well in the Amazon is not a great option, mainly just because the water table is so high. And if the uh, well gets flooded, then it gets contaminated and we're back to square one. Mm-hmm. So um, I start researching water filters and uh, there's h- h- hundreds of great water filters, but many of them are highly technical, very expensive, almost requiring an engineer to run it. So I, I found um, a filter at um, REI, a local camping supply store, yeah. and it's called uh, Sawyer, and it's made in Safety Harbor, Florida. And I bought a few of these, brought them home, and then uh, started reading on them, looked at the lab testing. And then I told my wife one day, I said, hey, if we're going to potentially bring these back to the Amazon, we're going to have to test them and know that they work. And my wife's a nurse at that point. And and she's like, well, what do you mean? And I said, well, I want to have our family drink from the local lake here for a week and see if see if everything's okay." And she's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) and and, uh so uh at the end of that discussion it was basically like well if the kids get sick it's on you oh boy no pressure so uh we run through this experiment the kids thought it was fun we went and got dirty lake water and we drank from it all week long and by the end of the week Allie, uh we could not tell the difference between dirty lake water and um, bottled water that we bought that was delivered to our house if it was at the same temperature. We can taste any difference. And we all live, we all survived, nobody got sick. So experiment passed. Wow. So how does the little, uh, how, how did this, the filter work? The filter work, yeah. So it's made from kidney dials technology. So inside the filter, is a series of what looks like uh, spaghetti almost in a way, or threads. And these threads are membranes. And so the dirty water flows in from one side of the filter and all the dirt contaminants, bacteria, um, parasites get stuck on the outside of the membrane. And then the clear water comes out through the inside of the membrane. There's no way for the water to bypass the filter and Mm. for dirty water to come through. The filter filters down to a level of 0.1 micron, which means for all of us non-science people that it filters down to the bacterial level. So basically, this will take out bacteria and larger, which removes 90% of the things that people are drinking, uh, maybe significantly more than 90% that are drinking that um, are causing much of the waterborne disease around the world, typhoid, cholera, salmonella, E. coli, mimic dysentery, giardia, removes it at a 99.99% effective rate at that point. So the filter, very, very simple, attaches to any bucket or receptacle. 
uses the gravity of the water in the bucket to drive it through the filter. And then we catch clean water in a catch basin under the filter and people can immediately consume it without any sort of chemical intervention, any boiling, anything like that. And it will yield upwards of 500 gallons a day if you let it run all day long. Hmm. So what do you do then? How do, how does this become a full-fledged ministry? Man, and that's a, that's a great question because remember at this point, I have no idea even what the word ministry means. Right. Um, you, so, you've just uh, gone to and bought a bunch of these little filters. <laughs> exactly. So I decide that, um, or I was prompted, not sure which one, but um, uh, in 2014, we decided to go back to the Amazon and we wanted to bring 80 of these filter kits with us. So we wanted to serve 80 families. So we bring them back to the Amazon. I had this whole presentation set up. I had graphs and I had charts of like, I had pictures of bacteria and it was, it was ridiculous what I, what I thought these people needed to know. But they got so excited seeing the transformation from dirty water to clean mm-hmm. water. And at the end of it, we're, we're packing up, we're putting all of our stuff on a boat. And this Brazilian man comes up to me uh, and it's me and my translator left and the rest of the team went on the boat. And he said in Portuguese, he said, how did you come to our village today? And I was like, I made a joke. I said, well, that boat right there is how we got here. And he goes, no, no, no. Of all the villages in the Amazon, how did you come to ours? Wow. And I wasn't prepared to answer that, right? And kind of a deep question. And I said, well, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. And we felt like we were supposed to bring you this gift. And the next thing he said changed everything at a wholesale level. Uh, and he, he goes, who is this Jesus? Mm. And there's 20 to 30 people standing behind him listening to this whole conversation uh, that live there. And, the, and then we hear other people say, yeah, who is this Jesus? And I'm, I, Ali, I was like this, hey, where's the pastor? I need a pastor. <laughs> hey, the pastor's got to tell somebody about Jesus. Go get the pastor. And I realized the pastor's on the boat. There's nobody here but me and my translator. And, you know, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a preacher. I can't stand on a rock and preach. Mm-hmm. So I decided I'm just going to tell this guy my testimony. I'm going to tell him about how... Um, Jesus rescued me from my sin. And in a point of desperation, I invited him to take control of my life. So I get done telling this guy my story, right? And he's sitting there and he's starting to tear up. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what did I just do? (laughs) And he goes through my translator. He says, how can I have that? Hmm. And then Everyone standing behind him that lived in that village says, yeah, we want that gift too. Wow. So that's where we realize that the filter is just a key. And it's a key that opens a door to start a relationship with people. It also gives people on the physical side of it, at least 20 years worth of clean, safe drinking water for their family. So uh, it starts a connection to local indigenous missionaries and pastors that we work through to to distribute these things, it starts a connection that becomes a lifelong connection that we earn the right to share the gospel. 
wow. we earn the right to be able to start teaching discipleship lessons in their homes. That's incredible. What's the what's the reach been like? How how easy has it been to get these things into the hands of people who need them? So we have placed filters in over 20 countries. Uh, in the 11 years that the bucket ministry has been in uh, existence, uh, we have never been denied access to any area anywhere in the world when we lead with the water filter. So in the last 11 years, we've served over a million people hope of clean water for over 20 years and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Wow. And we're just a tiny little organization. We're just getting started, I think. How have you changed? Oh, the, man. From the man who stood there on that trip as a chaperone and was handed, awkwardly handed a cup of water that he didn't know what to do with. How, how are you different now, 11 years later? I think I have grown closer to the Lord through mm -hmm. this work because for many of us, we come to faith and if if we're if we're dedicated enough, we uh, engage ourselves with the church and start to be discipled. Um, but for many of us, we don't get to see miracles, physical miracles. And because of this work, Allie, um, I get to see things that other people don't. And yeah. so I will tell you my faith um, Maybe before my faith was on a slow trajectory, right? Mm -hmm. And I think now my faith is growing at such a level that um, uh, I don't think it would have ever done that if not for being allowed to be part of this work where God was already working. All I did is join him. You said you recently, just a couple months ago, got an opportunity to meet that woman again? Who had handed you the cup of water? Tell me about that. So for years, I've been praying that we could find that original house. Because in the Amazon, it's a little bit like a needle in a haystack. And I thought, 11 years later, these people don't even live there anymore. So uh, I have a dear friend that's now our director of, of missions in Brazil that was my interpreter in that house 11 years ago. He's been with me ever since. And I asked him, I said, I'd like you to go back and see if you can find that couple. So he went back uh, mid last year and he spent about two weeks in the general area where we were at, asking questions, stopping, talking to people. And he found the couple and um, he, he went to the couple and took out his phone and shared pictures of what God had done in their house that day by breathing this ministry into existence. For more on The Bucket Ministry, check out thebucketministry.org. If you'd like to connect with Snapshot Testimony, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, and now YouTube. Just search Snapshot Testimony. I'm your host, Ali Domerson, and together we're sharing the moments that shape a life of faith in Christ.